Whelan Presley and Van Ho Funeral Homes have been serving Quad City families and veterans for over 100 years. Whelan Presley is located in Rock Island, Milan, Reynolds, and Van Ho in East Moline, proudly supporting WQPT. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities. A new year for visitors and dealing with trauma during the holidays in the cities. This can be among the most joyous times of the year, but the holidays can also stir up some sad memories and can be difficult for those families that are dealing with health issues. How to better cope with the holidays, that's just ahead. But first, welcome one and all. 2023 proved to be a year the city's bounced back from the pandemic. Tourism has rebounded to levels we haven't seen since the pandemic. But in the business of tourism, you can't rest on what you've achieved, you've got to keep growing. So how will that be done in 2024? We talked with the president and chief executive director of Visit Quad Cities, Dave Harrell, about what is planned and what we learned from 2023. Well, I mean, the big headline is how well 2023 treated the Quad City area. I mean, reaching the pre-pandemic level of 2020, uh, 2019, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I, I remember you saying way back during the pandemic that you thought it was going to take about three years to yeah. recover. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a slow burn. But I think to get those numbers um, in excess of where we were in 2019, that $1.3 billion number was a huge, you know, watershed moment for the Quad Cities. So a lot of great momentum, you know, certainly increased demand coming out of the pandemic. And now really the, the momentum is there to continue to like focus on the things that we need to do to um, get our mission accomplished. A lot of people were rethinking, you know, conventions and things like that yeah. because of the pandemic. I mean, where is the biggest recovery? I mean, are you seeing some of these convention numbers increase as well as the events? You know, maybe not necessarily in numbers of attendees. I think, you know, we're adapting our lines of business and our verticals because you might have a convention that could be for 800 people previously, but now it's for 300 people. Yeah. So it's not always about those home runs. It's like, how are you getting the singles? How are you doing the things just to kind of keep that business, you know, flowing as much as you can? But, you know, we're human beings. We, we like to connect. We're, we're in the gathering business. And so I think the fact that people are getting out there, you know, more frequently, I think more and more companies in the private sector are wanting to get their employees out to just from a professional development perspective. So we've got to capture that audience as much as we can and continue to just put the line in the water. What, what is it like in the Quad Cities now compared to when you first got here? Because you add stuff like the uh, Waterfront Convention Center, or you, you add stuff like uh, East Molines Convention uh, uh, Center. I mean, how does that spur more tourism in our area? Well, I think you need destination assets that are thriving. You need tourism product that hopefully is gonna create overnight demand. You need to do the things on the development side to position the marketplace so that you are attractive. And it's a hyper-competitive space. I mean, you can't be in a position where you don't have the facilities, the venues, the infrastructure, 
the sales behind it, because a lot of times it could take years and to build that pipeline to get that activity going. So it's really a holistic approach. And it's not just like one piece of the puzzle. You need them all kind of working together harmoniously if you're going to actually make any kind of impact. Well, and you also have to compete like in Des Moines, the Iowa Events Center, or, or Coralville's new Extreme right. Arena, or, or you said Madison is, is another market that you compete against. And they're not lying down either. I mean, how difficult is it uh, to compete against some of these other cities? It's extremely difficult. And I think, you know, what, what happened during the pandemic, a lot of communities, you know, kind of took a step back and said, all right, where is tourism in our overall economic development, you know, mix in terms of like where it fits in? And a lot of communities have been prioritizing it, you know, probably more effectively than we have on the funding and investment on the development side of the house. And so we've got to ratchet that up with a real sense of urgency because what's going to happen is the things that we're involved in are not just in the here and now in 2023. We're, we're looking at things that are 2028 and 2030. And if we're, if we're not positioned for those future years, then it's going to be really hard to see that kind of momentum, to see that kind of tax revenue kind of flowing into the community. So we got to make sure that we're poised for more. You really can't sit back because it is so competitive. I mean, you might have an event this year that may not be around next year. Yeah, and I think more and more people are, are really understanding the value that tourism is cash in hand economic development. It's, it's so quick. You bring in you know, people to your community, they generate that kind of tax revenue. But now it's, just, it's such a different you know, marketing play for communities because it's not just about that transactional relationship. You bring in an event, you host something, it's here it produces an economic impact and you're done. Now it's about community positioning. It's aligning your values. It's what are you doing to position uh, for talent attraction, talent retention, it's resident pride. It's all these things that you gotta be thinking about when you're trying to pursue um, you know, visitation. Because if you're not down that path, other communities will be there and you're gonna lose. Well, and I believe the, the economic impact was listed at $88 billion for 2023. Yeah, between the two states. So if you look at Iowa and Illinois combined, um, literally that 88.4 you know billion was was pretty you know sizable. Yes. And you know that's a testament to you know Governor Pritzker, Governor Reynolds, who are investing more into tourism. I think they have seen the light as it relates to how it kind of fits within economic development. There's more investment. There's more programs. There's ideas like. Destination Iowa, this huge capital investment program, I think we're going to start seeing the benefits of that capital investment you know, pay off. And then in the state of Illinois, there's programs that are coming out of the Illinois Office of Tourism literally every few months that we can bring back to the Quad Cities and try to leverage just for more business. So who do you market to? I mean, that's a wide question, I'm sure, depending yeah. upon what you're trying to attract. But I mean, is it mostly Midwest or do you really try to get to areas that may not even heard of the Quad Cities? Right. You know, it's, it's multifold. I think our, our bread and butter is very Midwesty, right? And a lot of that is just predicated on the resources that we have as a destination marketing organization, as a DMO, to do the things that we need to do to properly sell, market, advertise, you know, tell the story of the Quad Cities. Would we like to expand that? Um, sure, we'd love to. Um, but it, it all depends on kind of what you're doing. So we can do that on the leisure side in terms of just media buys, advertising, earn media value, all the things that we're trying to do to position the QC. 
But on the event side, where it's really unique is we just hosted the you know, Division Three USA Water Polo Men's National Championship with Augustana. We had MIT here. We had uh, Claremont, Mudd, Scripps from California, University of Redlands, families coming to watch these student athletes literally from the West Coast and East Coast that had never heard of the Quad Cities. So a lot of times you just got to be out there and you got to sell this place as much as you can and get these people here. And once they're here and if they have a great experience, hopefully that'll turn into a repeat business. We've talked about this before, but one of the biggest weekends in the Quad Cities this past summer was when we had the Bix right. and Ragbri came yeah. as well. And for years, Ragbri wasn't coming to Davenport because it was a belief that you couldn't host both of these events. It's right. just huge downtown events. Ragbri was here, the biggest Ragbri celebrating the 50th year. Does that mean that the, the Quad Cities, Davenport in particular, perhaps, along with Bettendorf, can now host these bigger events? You know, I, I'm very bullish on the fact that we can do more in the event space. I, I think our geography bodes well for us attracting more events. I think we've got you know, the right infrastructure to be, to be able to pull it off. I think there's certainly a great collaborative you know, effort between not only the event rights holders and the people that we work with every day, but from the public sector too. We at Visit Quad Cities need to continually reinforce that message to the public sector that these events are great. Um, not only do they produce you know, tangible benefits and economic you know, return, but to the private sector, showing the private sector that when you bring these things in here, it's great for talent, it's great for you know, brand visibility, and it's a way that you can kind of program your community. So Big Spry, you know, this past July, <laughs> um, brought you know, 56,000 some odd people you know, for several days, right. people from all over the world that had never experienced Iowa before and never experienced you know, Dav Davenport and the greater Quad Cities. And it was a huge win for our community, but I think it also demonstrates that we can do big things, we can also have nice things here, and we need to continually focus on that. And when you're talking about some of the international visitors, I mean, we now have these, these river tours, these, these mm -hmm. cruises that are coming and docking in Davenport as part of the Mississippi River uh, excursion. I mean, that's so unique that, that the Quad Cities is able to offer. It is, you know, if it's having a global asset in our world-renowned Mississippi River here, obviously great for commerce, and there's so many, you know, benefits from, you know, quality of life, quality of place, you know, activating our community, but from a visitor perspective, you know, it's kind of like if you're in Tennessee, you, you think of Jack Daniels, right? Right. <laughs> okay, that's what yes. that's what kind of springs to mind, right? <laughs> when, when you think of the Quad Cities, it's you know, it's John Deere, it's right. Mississippi River. These are these brand elements that really emotionally connect with people, and definitely from an international visitor perspective, that, that's the one thing I, I think you're going to see more of over the next couple of years. We actually just got a grant of the state of Illinois for uh, some international. You know, business, and we're going to be doing some things um, to get outside uh, domestically to promote the Quad Cities, uh, specifically um, in Mexico and some other markets, because we need to do that. We need to reinforce that this is a global destination, and uh, it certainly can be. And the Mississippi River plays a huge part in not only the storytelling of like the, the history of it, but certainly the future. When we talk about uh, tourism in the Quad Cities, so much of it is also linked, as you were alluding to, as uh, athletics and sports. Yeah. I mean, you take a look, once again, at Bix and Rag Ride, yeah. but also the John Deere Classic, uh, events like that. What's on tap for 2024? Because I know that's usually a really big deal that you already have locked down. Well, I think there, there's a, a few things. I think we're hosting um, a bowling event that'll literally kick off in February and go through May. We haven't had it here since 2017. It's called USBC. 
um, about 10,000 competitors. We've got the Missouri Valley Women's back. We've got the NAI Women's Golf Championship you know, coming back. We're hosting a D3 uh, women's uh, wrestling event at the Bend Expo um, in February with literally up to 30 teams from all throughout the Midwest, which has never been here. So we were able to create that event with Augustana. But then I think also like venues like Vibrant Arena and what they mean in terms of you know, adding value to sports tourism. And then the TBK Bank Sports Complex has just continued it's to been be a game changer. It's 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 a game changer. It's a way to really activate the the region um, in a very meaningful way. That expansion is going to uh, take hold here in uh, 2024, and I think that venue just continues to do a lot of things to attract visitation and bring people into the Quad Cities, and it benefits the entire region. So people come in and they might compete at TBK, but they might stay in East Moline or Rock Island or et cetera. So that, that it is definitely a regional impact and we need to continually focus on events that are gonna add value out there. And you're really trying to make uh, this kind of a golfing destination as well. Yeah. I mean, like like you said, getting some collegiate there as well as the John Deere yeah. Classic. Yeah. I mean, because when you have a Deer Run, a world-class golf course, yeah. that's another asset that you wanna make the most of. It's it's a premier you know venue and I think we're so blessed to have it. I mean, John Deere Classic is such a, it is our, it is really like our signature of that, right? It means so much to our community. But uh, visit Quad Cities and our partners at TPC Deer Run um, and hopefully the folks at John Deere Classic, we're gonna align and go after some NCAA events um, here in the future for the years 27 and 28. We'd love to have a women's NC uh, 2A Division I Women's Golf Championship and the Men's Championship. Those bids are due uh, in February of 24. We won't find out until probably sometime October of 24. But I really feel like the Quad Cities is positioned well to host those events because of you know geography, conference realignment. Um, TPC Deer Run is an amazing venue. And then with the JDC, having that infrastructure already built in, we already know it looks great on television, but the folks in the TV business know that they can operate an event of this magnitude. So I really feel like we've got all the key ingredients to go after that event. And we need to be more aggressive, like Visit Quad Cities, our sports QC um, and sports tourism uh, you know, thrust needs to be very present at the national level. And I think we made great strides and we're getting recognized for it, but there's a lot more that can be done. Dave Harrell, president and executive director of Visit Quad Cities. In a moment, better mental health for the holidays. But first, one of our featured artists in our ongoing Chords and Coffee series. David G. Smith has been a guest of ours for years, and he recently joined us again to share one of his original songs. Here's David G. Smith with Listen to the River. My wife is sitting right off camera here. That is an anniversary gift from uh, my wife. And uh, now I like to tell it that we were out looking for sewing machines. It's true, we were looking for sewing machines. And uh, but we walked by this music store first, and she saw that guitar uh, sitting in the window, and she said, "What's that?" And two hours later, we walked out with it. She bought it for me, anniversary gift. Sitting beneath the tree I'm gonna listen to the river 
that song goodness a long time ago I don't want to date myself many years ago it's about our environment kind of some of the things that maybe it was just a prescient moment I had uh, when I wrote it you know again 20 30 years ago about what's going on these days and uh, so it's you know to keep it short it's just it's about uh, environment and it's about I guess climate change and uh, some of those things. Well, I'm down here by the river, sitting beneath the tree. I'm listen to the river, the river gonna talk to me. Well, I'm down here by the river, sitting beneath the tree. I'm gonna listen to the river, but the river won't talk. The river won't talk. David G. Smith with Listen to the River. This is a time of the year that can be weighing heavily on us. The holidays can bring both joy and sadness, especially in families where someone is suffering a loss or a serious illness. Lisa Levy of Genesis, a grief counselor, has held seminars for both adults and children to better cope with the pressures we're facing today. And she joined me to talk about the ways to better deal with the holidays. We do look at the holidays as such a joyful time, but it is so tough on us uh, when we look back at some memories that aren't being revisited again. It's not being recreated. Mm -hmm. What are you saying to people that, that have, to get, have to get through the holidays, so to speak? You know, there's a lot of loss in our life, and it seems like at the holidays, it, it's really pronounced. We have all of our favorite memories, and we um, it's just a time of... Uh, longing, longing for the past sometimes, longing for uh, sweet times with our families, and maybe we've had a very recent death. And so there's many strategies that help us cope with the holidays and grief. Um, among them is uh, not isolating yourself. Which sometimes is easier said than done. Yes. But you're absolutely right. I don't want to say sharing the grief, but I mean, you're absolutely right is, yes. is being around other people. You know, and, and grief and sadness make us tired. We don't have the same level of energy. And so one of the most natural things to do is to isolate ourselves, mm -hmm. but it's the worst thing you can do. So uh, we want to um, kind of prioritize what are the things that we really do want to get involved with during the holidays. 
Um, maybe there's a special ritual that honors your loved one who's no longer with you. Uh, maybe they had a favorite cookie they baked or favorite song. Um, maybe you all watched the football game together, you know, on New Year's Day. And, and, and so I recommend doing those things on purpose, Jim, so that you can be honoring the memory of your loved ones who aren't with you, uh, and maybe even recreating a brand new something to do at the holidays to honor uh, the legacy of someone who's no longer with you. Almost creating new memories. Yes. As best yes. you can. Right. There, there's going to be a lot of people that are coming, you know, families are gathering once again, or, or, or friends are gathering as well. And as you said, someone may have had a loss, or yes. perhaps somebody has got a very bad diagnosis. Yes. What do you say to the people that are um, joining into the family again that may not have talked to these, these people, these friends, or even family members right. uh, since this diagnosis or this loss? You bring up such an important point because when we know someone we care about is suffering, sometimes we back away, don't we? We very much so, And yes. we don't either want to make that person cry or feel more sad. But I always say to my bereaved, um, I am a grief counselor with Genesis Hospice, that you want to bring up your loved one who has died or if you have um, maybe received a new diagnosis, like you said, bring it up because that opens the door and shows those around you it's okay to approach you. And I always tell my uh, folks who are grieving, carry your Kleenex. If you mm -hmm. feel like you're going to start crying, just say, I'm going to start crying, but I'm okay. Here's a Kleenex. Share a Kleenex, have your cry, and, and just move on. But our tears honor our loved one. If we've had the privilege of having a, a loving, wonderful relationship with someone and now they're gone, of course we're going to be sad. You can't have it both ways. We, we have the gift of loving someone, but when they're gone, we're going to have profound sadness. I thought it was interesting is that there is a line that says grief has no time limit. Mm -hmm. Some people might be thinking, oh, get over it by now. And, and other right. people just can't. Sure. Um, what do you say in that situation? There's many occasions for complicated grief. Let's say uh, within your family dynamic, you have two or three losses. I was just speaking with someone, in fact, um, this morning before I came here, three deaths in six months oh. in their family. Yeah. So, um, you know, life happens, tragedy happens. Um, and remember, loss is not just death. Loss is, as you've alluded to already, loss of health, uh, maybe moving from your favorite neighborhood, loss of a job, loss of financial security. Um, so we really are kind of experts at loss, which means change. And then that's kind of where the rubber meets the road, so right, to speak. Exactly. Now we've had this loss and we're faced with mm -hmm. a lot of change. And so we need people to surround us and we need to allow people to walk with us in that change and, and maybe that profound sadness to help us. It also goes beyond the holidays. Um, because oh, yes. perhaps you also have the full yeah. house 
-hmm. and then come New Year's or January 2nd, that full house becomes an empty nest again. Mm -hmm. And that can be a difficult transition as well. Exactly, and that's a really good point. Um, I think we're all pretty familiar with that letdown after the holidays, (laughs) especially if you've had a really fun time with all your friends and family. So again, it goes back to not isolating yourself, taking good care of yourself, finding new ways on purpose that fill up your spirit again. You know, um, at hospice um, and in our grief work, we look at the human person from a perspective of mind, body, and spirit. So of course we do the self-care, we take care of our physical self, but we also have to take care of our emotional and our spiritual self. So we need to do things that fill up our heart, honor our core values, um, and um, try new things, you know, be courageous, step out there. The key appears, as you're saying, is that if you are struggling, let more people in. Yes, absolutely. And um, it may be seeking uh, the advice of a counselor. It might be uh, clergy, uh, your church family. It might be um, a trusted friend or family member. Um, We also recommend journaling. Journaling is very therapeutic. You know, when you journal, you're owning your experience, you're processing it, even speak it out loud so you can hear it. But that helps us kind of organize our thoughts and cope too. But just don't internalize right now. I mean, uh, you may have great expectations for the holidays that aren't met, or you may have some of these holiday traditions Mm -hmm. that aren't going to be occurring anymore. The key is to what? Share. Yes, yes. And and um, you just hit on something very important. We need to be as compassionate with ourselves as we are with others. Um, expectations, we set these very grandiose expectations of ourselves, especially if we've lived a fairly complicated, involved holiday season. You know, if you're hurting, it's okay to step back, take a deep breath, Um, And again, really evaluate what do you want to honor as a part of your holiday season? What is a priority? What is most important to you? And then just pick two or three things and do that and let the rest go until next year. Lisa Levy with Genesis Hospice as a counselor for grief. As always, you can reach out to groups like Gilda's Club as well to help you better cope with the pressures of the holidays. And if you feel you need help immediately, remember the 988 Crisis Hotline is available anytime, day or night, right now. Just dial 988 if you need help. On the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device, and streaming on your computer, thanks for taking some time to join us as we talk about the issues on the cities. serving Quad City families and veterans for over 100 years. Whelan Presley is located in Rock Island, Milan, Reynolds, and Van Ho in East Moline, proudly supporting WQPT.
Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities.